Hello, Moto America fans, and welcome to episode 16 of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. I'm Bice, the Batman to Paul Carruthers. Or I'm sorry, I'm the Robin. Oh my God. Oh, yeah, trying, <laughs> trying to, to, trying to, trying to take, take my job. <laughs> I'm the Robin to to uh, Paul Carruthers, Batman, who is communications manager for Moto America. And Paul, I screwed that up. <laughs> Hello, Batman. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Um, how are you? <laughs> Hey, one thing we're not going to do is we're not going to talk about the weather because there was some smart ass on, I think, Instagram commented that he only listens to our podcast so he can get a weather update from Ohio and California. And I have a feeling he's just taking the piss out of us. I don't think he was actually uh, actually being uh, being truthful with, with his reasons behind that. But um, So I'm not going to well, tell you about my weather, and I don't want to know about yours. That's fine. Let's talk about, man, we've had quite a week as far as uh, news about Moto America and content that we've been putting out there. It's uh, It's been a crazy week and uh, very excited about everything. Seems like everybody else is too. And, um, it, you know, this episode 16 is a, is a big one for us. Um, so uh, I want to I say something real quick about that. Uh, the reason I keep mentioning episode 16 is I think episode one, we tried to get our guest, this guest to come on with us. And I, I think he had to make sure that it was actually going to be successful because he didn't want to want to be a part of it. But the other part of it is I've been I've been trying to keep myself calm for all this time. I think, I, Paul, I think I told you this story. Um, there's a there's a skit that Saturday Night Live did. And for the uh, listeners out there, go to YouTube and and uh, Google or search for this. It's Chris Farley when he interviewed Paul McCartney and he sat there and Paul, we've talked about this. He sits down with Paul McCartney and he says, so I'm here with Paul McCartney. Uh, so, uh, Paul, you, you were in the Beatles. And he said, yeah, that's right. He goes, man, that was, that was cool. So <laughs> this guest that we, this guest that we have on today, even, even though he's now my boss, I still want to go up to him and go, Hey, you won the 1988 British Grand Prix. That was your first race. And he would go, yeah, that's right. And go, that was cool. So <laughs> I, I just, I, I just will, I wilt in his presence. But the one other thing I want to say is, um, and then I'll turn it over to you. Is I, I don't know if you know this, Paul, but I refer to him as Poma. Um, that stands Poma. for President of, Poma, P O M A. That oh, okay. stands for that stands for President of Moto America. And after seeing some of his videos and. The uh, the comments that we've had this week, I think we should change it to POTUS. I don't. I think he's got to run for office, uh, the big office, don't you? Yeah, he's. Uh, you know, we might as well just say right now that we're talking about Wayne Rainey, who's actually both of our bosses and and the president of Moto America, and he won a couple of championships back in the day. I think three of them were world championships, and two of them were superbike. I'm going to act like I don't know the years, but they were like 1990, 91, 92 on 500s, and then. 83 and 87 on super bikes but you know i'm just guessing at those numbers i don't really know because i i didn't want to prepare for this interview because i wanted the boss to really know how good i was at my job you know like i could just wing this shit but um yeah he's uh you know you well you know you help me with with social media and we we can bust our ass and we can come up with the greatest thing in the world and and wayne could go on there and 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 there could be a video of him like petting a cat or something and and it you know breaks the internet and you and i come up with cool stuff and it you know gets a couple of thousand views or something so he is um yeah i mean he's i don't know what it is but people like him and you know he's well respected and obviously he's got a couple of titles under his belt so he uh yeah he he does some good numbers on social media i'll give him that and and he's he's got it down he's 
you know, he's a, it's funny because when he when he go when we were doing these videos um, this week, you know, to announce our our different TV packages, you know, he gets a little nervous and he's like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm not very good at this. And I just tell him he's full of crap because every time he does it, it's successful. So he speaks from the heart <laughs> and uh, and and things usually turn out well. So let's um let's let's bring Wayne Rainey into the room here. How are you doing, Wayne? <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a what an introduction! I guess really, I don't have to say anything more. <laughs> oh yeah, right. <laughs> no, we're, you know, as we always do, we're looking for you to carry this interview and make these numbers huge, so that you know, like, what's that guy that you? I know you listen to him. Is it Joe Rogan? Yes, he's okay, cool so too. You know, if you can get you guys this are show, cool, to, but to, but he's cool too. If you can get the our show to have his kind of numbers, then you know we'll have you on every week. You guys do a great job. You know it's uh, uh what number podcast is this? Did you say sixteen? Sean? Sixteen. Have you yeah. done sixteen already? This yeah. is the sixteenth. Is yeah. Wow. It's wow, hard to believe. That's impressive. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I know. I know because yeah. we each get ten thousand dollars a piece. So. I know. I went to the bank the other day, and it was a pretty good little chunk of change. <laughs> yeah, the royalties so alone are keeping us. <laughs> yeah, the royalties is right. We finally have some royalties on the show. I didn't so see that in the budget. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of those hidden ones. So listen, yeah. I mean, this is this has been this is I, I I speaking for myself here, but this has just been an awesome week at Moto America because there's nothing better than being able to to tell people news and it's really cool to be able to tell them really good news and our tv package and digital package that we've been able to put together um and i know you'll go into this a little bit but you, you know uh one of the partners chuck axelman has worked tirelessly on this thing um from the beginning and um i can't even imagine how much work it is because you know i'm just seeing the the end results here but um i, I know it's been a lot of work for all of you guys and and obviously richard Varner. Um, has has made a big financial push um, to make all these things happen for us. So big thanks to him. But let's talk a little bit about what what we've got going here. Obviously, we we we've told the people that uh, we've got a Fox Sports deal, which is going to have live and uh, and same day coverage from our Superbike races. We've got an NBC Sports show that's going to be uh, highlight and feature based, um, and will air a week after each event. And then we've got our Moto America Live Plus, which is, <clears throat> I'm excited about all of it, but I'm really excited about this part because it's our live streaming. And I think it's going to bring everything together. Basically, we, I, I think you guys have put together a, a package here that, that I mean, I, I'm not sure that anyone can complain. People will complain because they complain about anything. But I think for the most part, we've, we've done the best job we could possibly do as far as putting this package together. So congratulations on that, Wayne. And Tell us a little bit about um, obviously how difficult it was and and how happy you are that 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 it's turned out the way that it has. Yeah, thanks, guys. Well, back in uh, I believe it was July when uh, we had our meeting with BN and they started uh, telling us what was kind of going on with them personally. So we we immediately started uh, started uh, searching then back in July and and like you said, uh, Chuck Axlin, uh, he's the one that's kind of uh, it kind of led this for us, you know, we would all meet, figure out, you know, what's, what's the strategy, who are we going to go talk to? And boom, Chuck would go out there and just, uh, you know, he'd come back with, uh, with the information that he learned 
And, uh, and this went on, you know, all the way out through, uh, you know, through Christmas, New Year's, you know, into this year. And, um, you know, we just basically just signed off on, on, uh, Moto America Live Plus yesterday. So it's, uh, it's been, uh, it's been full time. This is the biggest, uh, TV package that we've had for Moto America. As a matter of fact, there's going to be so much TV that starting in, I think it's April, all the way through October, there's going to be Moto America on Fox Sports 2 and NBC Sports Network at least once a week throughout that all those months. So if our guys aren't well known by then, uh, you know, I guess uh, we'll have to figure out what we have to do. to. As long as the racing is good, these guys will be superheroes. Yeah, one thing, Wayne, I want to ask you, it's it's one thing that kind of blew my mind, and I've seen some of the comments. People haven't really understood one thing about it because we made the announcement about Fox Sports 2, and then we followed that up with the announcement about NBC Sports Network. And people are used to, like, McDonald's, Burger King, okay, they're competing brands. How do you have the same product on two different networks? People thought, oh, did I not hear correctly that it is on Fox Sports 2? And the product itself is a little different in each area, but how in the heck did you guys ever get it to work out where you've got two <laughs> essentially competing networks covering the same product in a different way? But can you talk about that? Well, that's what it was. Uh, you know, the Fox Sports 2, it's a live, live same day coverage. It's, a, it's an hour and a half show. We have a pre-show, we have our race, and then we have a post-show with a follow-up uh, replay within seven days. The NBC Sports, that's called Inside uh, Moto America, that will be, that's more of a highlights, uh, behind the scenes lifestyle. It's going to promote our racers, uh, our sponsors, some of the racing. Um, it's going to be post-produced after the event, but it's really going to give, you know, our fans and customers really kind of an inside of what it takes to race these bikes, to work on them, uh, to train, to be ready, to see some of the, uh, the personalities that we have, the rivalries that we have. And, uh, you know, just uh, introduce uh, Moto America to a, to a new audience and then also have something there for our fans that, uh, that follow us now. It's great. And then the, the live streaming kind of brings it all together, don't you think? The live streaming uh, was really key to making this, this whole thing happen. So the Moto America Live Plus, we're going to have Dylan Gray as the commentator and a lot of, lot of uh, Moto GP fans have probably heard of him. So that would be that'd be six to eight hours uh, live on a video pass, and that'd be on Saturday and Sunday from the from the actual racetrack. So this is a we'll be able to broadcast this live throughout the world. So fans from all over the world will be able to follow what we do. And this is really what we needed. We needed to get our racers and our product out outside of our you know, our borders so we can show everybody that, hey, you know, the American scene is still alive and well. It's uh, it's strong. It's competitive. And uh, this is the way that we've decided to make this investment. And here we go. So, Wayne, for uh, the fans of ours that have made comments and wondered about our, our other classes be besides Superbike, which is obviously the premier class for our, our series, but Supersport, Twins Cup, Stock 1000, um, and junior and Liquid Molly Junior Cup, of course, which is hugely popular around the world. So, for fans of those uh, series or fans that want to watch those classes, where where do they tune in? How do they how do they watch that racing? 
Uh, so are you talking, well, we got, are you talking from outside the U.S., Sean? Is that what you're saying or? Well, well, really outside the U.S. or almost anywhere. What I'm trying to get at is the paywall sounds like the, the, uh, the, the live, um, streaming with Dylan Gray. Is that, is that the source cer certainly worldwide, but even in this country for people to be able to watch those classes flag to flag? How is that, is that correct? That's correct. So you'll, you'll be able to see practice qualifying. Uh, you'll see each race from each cl uh, class. Uh, you'll, well, you'll see all the races in, in, uh, on both days and it'd be, uh, streamed live. So, yeah, so there'll be, you know, we're, we're getting ready to announce the, it's a, it's not a very expensive fee. This is, you know, this is a super deal for, uh, for the, the product that we're going to, um, present. Um, you know, we've brought in all, we've actually are go, uh, doing our own TV production as well. We've made that investment. So for, you know, so for the naysayers, when we first started Moto America, I remember the, the talk was, well, we'll see if they last six months. And then, and then we'll see if they come back for the second year. Well, here we are the fifth year. And, uh, you know, we, you know, we've got five strong classes. Uh, we've, we've brought on our own TV production. We're on two different uh, major networks now. So uh, I think, uh, you know, we're, we've got a good product. and. Uh, uh, Richard Barner, he he believes in this uh, in this venture that uh, that we're that we're going down the road together on. Uh, so yeah, this is uh, this is where we thought we would be in five years. You know, one of the things I've been impressed about from the beginning with Moto America, and you know, I, I think back my my background in my career is in, in advertising. I've worked with a lot of brands and studied a lot of brands like uh, Target or Nordstrom brands that are considered to be very customer centric and will do everything they can, you know, whatever it takes for a customer. And that's one thing I feel about Moto America from the very beginning. Um, you guys and we have listened, listened to our fans and made steps to make it better and better and improved. And this package this year is clearly the result of hearing the customers, hearing the fans, and hearing people within the paddock, our teams and our riders as well, and giving people essentially what they want on, on so many levels. Would, would you say that's this is a, the best manifestation of that customer-centric uh, philosophy that we have? Oh, for sure. This is, you know, uh, the fans have been asking for this uh, from day one. Well, you know, to put Everything that we do to put on the event, uh, you know, to have the staff, to uh, work with the racetracks, uh, to, you know, to work with our past broadcast uh, partners, it's a huge commitment financially to do this. And so it takes time to get to this type of program uh, that we have. But we know not a lot of the fans were, they were uh, upset because we were live streaming it. And then it was, I think when we first started, it was a, it was a week delay is when it was being broadcast. So from that point to where we are now, it's been, it's been difficult for a lot of our fans, but, but now I think we have, we have committed to what they wanted and they have now, they're going to be able to watch, uh, Moto America, uh, live and, and this is, uh, what they've been asking for. So we, we presented it, we got it done for them. So Wayne, the, I mean, looking at this year, I, I again, it, it's going to be even more so. But I mean, the excitement from the from the TV packages um, has got a lot of people talking. But they were kind of talking a lot more than in previous seasons, previous preseasons, just about the quality of what that superbike class is going to be. And we'll talk about the other classes as well. But 
I mean, when you when you look at the Superbike class um, on paper for 2019, it's I, I, I mean, it's 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 pretty freaking impressive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if there's there was a couple races last year where I I really enjoyed. I really, you know, um, I got to watch how I how I say this. I'll just say I had my taste buds were watering. So um, the <laughs> racing was so good. And it just reminded me of, uh, you know, the commitment that you have to have and, and seeing what uh, Tony and, and Heron and Cameron were doing. You know, uh, they were racing hard to each other. They were trying to win the race, and, and it meant a lot. So to see them push this hard to be the Moto America champion is, uh, is, what, uh, is what I'm proud of. So, you know, now, you know, now what we've done to the rules this year to try to help uh, – the non-factory teams be a little bit closer uh, comp- uh, competitive-wise towards the factory bikes. I think we're going to see more more guys uh, 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 hurrying the, the factory guys up. You know, we have uh, uh, we have Jake Anya coming back on a he's on a BMW and he's had that year over there in World Superbike, so we're excited about that. We got JD uh, JD riding that Yamaha that Josh Heron rode last year. So I mean, I expect big things from JD. Uh, we got Kyle Wyman on the on that Ducati, which is something new. This just all came together uh, just here the last couple of weeks. Everybody's excited about that. So yeah, it's uh, it's going. The other guy that I'm kind of interested about to see if he's going to be able to step it up this year is Garrett Gerloff. I, I think last year was a kind of a, a year that uh, I don't think he thought he did as good as he thought he was going to do. But uh, we'll see what he does this year. I think I know he's got the speed. He's probably got the most natural speed of all the guys there, but uh, let's see if he believes it. Coming back for a second year like he's doing, I mean, it, it, it makes a big difference, don't you think? I mean, you've been through this before, and there's nothing like getting that first year under your belt and realizing what you need to do differently and how you need to attack that second year. Yeah, you know, you, you, know, you, you want to go out there. You want to you be racing for the podium. That's, that's your first goal. Well, the first goal is always to beat your teammate, but – his teammate happens to be Cameron Bovier, so that that was always going to be a tall order. But you know, it's a it's a it's a good target to shoot for. And really, if uh, if Garrett Gerloff wants to go on and race outside Moto America, he's going to have to dominate Cameron Bovier and and Heron and and Tony. And if he can do that this this year, I think this would be an easy step for him to go abroad if that's what he chooses to do. But uh, those three names that I just said, uh, uh, it's not so easy. You know, uh, Wayne, let's talk a little bit about Cameron because it's a subject that comes up a lot and we know that how you feel about this or you, I think you, you have a couple of different feelings on it, but we, we know that you want him to represent the U.S. and go on to a world championship at some point. But at the same time, I think you understand and you've been in situations like this before where it's got to be the right package for you. Um, I don't know that 1984, when you went over and raced 250, if that was a case of maybe not being quite the right package. But when you went when you went back over in '88, and certainly um, when you went '90 and worked with Team Robertson, had Marlboro backing, and went on to those three championships, it seemed like that was uh, of a coming together of a lot of great things. Do you where do you where do you stand on this situation with Cameron? Do you understand that he feels like he he wants to be on a very competitive team rather than just go over there and try something? Um, well, I just, I read something recently about Cameron and Cameron, I think once somebody had asked him a question about 
just that. You know, are you going to go abroad and race in the world championships? And his, his question was, I believe, was, yeah, you know, if I can get on a competitive team, then I would like to go over there and, and race against the world's best. But, uh, but the, another thing that he said, though, was that he really likes racing in Moto America. He, say, he says it's very competitive for him. He likes racing in the U.S. His family or friends are here. He gets to go stay in his own, uh, sleep in his own bed at night uh, after the races. And so I completely uh, respect him for that. Now, I, I personally, I think uh, Bobier could, if he was on, if he took his team right now and went and raced in World Superbike, I think he would be racing for the top five, if not for the podium real soon. And if he went over and raced in, let's just say the Moto2 class, I know he'd be racing in the top 10 there. But, uh, you know, to go race abroad, you don't, you live in a suitcase and you're, you're in foreign lands and, um, you know, you're racing on racetracks that you've never seen against riders that you don't know. But you have to have a commitment that it doesn't matter who these guys are. I've, I've, I've got to win. And that's, this is, uh, it's a heck of a of a commitment and a challenge that you have to do uh, w- when you get the opportunity. And him being an American and what the Americans have done in the past, I think uh, you know it's. I don't know if it's really fair for us because I think when we go to Europe, when we get that shot, we can't ride. We can't be in the top ten to twentieth or or deeper than that. And if that happens, that well, all that says is that hey, you know, the Americans just aren't ready. So when if Bobier goes over there, he has to get into the top ten, in my opinion. And if he can do that, or even get into the top five, whatever class he decides, that's what's that's when people's minds will start changing about what's going on with our with our U.S. riders. I'd like to see him get more opportunities. I'd like to see them you know, go over into the paddock and, and make themselves known and talk to a couple of the teams. This always helps a lot. I know JD did this last year, and I've heard from some of the teams about seeing JD walking around over there. So I think it was at Valencia at the last MotoGP race. So, but, uh, you know, we had the eight-hour race that was, uh, you know, Kevin and I raced in that race, and that was real good for us, for for our our careers. And there's no reason why some of our top guys could maybe just start there. Let's talk a bit a little bit about your your racing, um, and and back to the teammate thing. You, how pissed off were you that like Kevin McGee won a race before you did? <laughs> really, you had to go there, huh? Well, I know, I know, I know that that motivated the crap out of you, and I I've never really talked to you about it, so I figured you know why not talk to you about it you know in front of millions of people. You weenie, you know here we are trying to <laughs> trying to. Uh, inspire my riders to try to go abroad, and you just bring up this guy kicking my butt. Well, yeah, yeah. but you know what? I, and I he, still remember he, it. Yeah, it was a. It he was only a butt did whooping. it early. He didn't do it when it counted. Yeah, the Horsham Hurricane. That's where he was. Horsham. He was from Horsham, Australia, and yet I remember going to his. He invited us to his house one time in Australia, and this is like I hadn't even raced a Grand uh, in the five hundred class yet. But we're, we were going over to, um, I think it was Phillip Island to test. And so uh, uh, Kevin uh, McGee invited us to his home. So we're, you know, we're going down these, these little country roads. And, and, all, and then we, we start coming into this little tiny town. And there's this huge 
billboard and it said home of the Horsham hurricane. (laughs) (laughs) So I knew I was there. They they never had that in Downey, did they? Are you kidding? (laughs) No, no, it didn't happen in Downey. Uh, so the Downey, so the that. Downey Destroyer, Paul, it's the Downey Destroyer, home oh, of the Downey go. Destroyer. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to bring up something else you're not going to want to talk about. So <laughs> Kevin McGee won a Grand Prix before you did, and that freaking Kevin Schwantz did the same thing. Now, you <laughs> bottled that shit up for the rest of your career and kicked their asses. So in a way, it was a good thing, right? Hey, um, anytime you get beat by the guys you don't like getting beat by is a bad thing. So if you don't <laughs> fix it, it can be really bad. So fortunately, I was able to fix it. So, yeah, you know, it. Uh, when Kevin and I, we went to Europe and we both lined up there at Suzuka. And, uh, you know, Schwantz is just, uh, he's just an awesome talent. And when he went out, and he raced against the current world champion was Wayne Gardner that day. And, uh, and he beat Gardner. Uh, man, I was like, wow, that guy stepped it up. And I think I ended up sixth, sixth place that day. And I was, I was like pretty happy with my result. But when I saw what he did, man, I just went, my result is like, nobody's even going to even know what that is. That's all going to be about Kevin. So. Uh, so, you know, I had to think about that. I went to the next race and, uh, it was in the U S and, and I start putting it right back on him. I, I got pole position at Laguna Seca and, um, and then I ended up, I think, I'm not sure what position I got, but I do know this. I was in front of Kevin. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So what I, I, the intro, I opened up talking about that 1988, that first the Grand Prix, that 500cc Grand Prix win that you had at the uh, 1988 uh, British Grand Prix. So, Wayne, tell me about this. I think that was either the first year or that was the first race that you ever did with carbon brakes, and you won that race. Was that the was British Grand Prix the first time you ran carbon brakes? <laughs> Well, you've got uh, all those details, don't you, Sean? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I yes. So we were the. I don't know if we were the first one to try carbon brakes, but I do know we were the first ones to race in a in a Grand Prix and and to win a race using carbon brakes. Yeah. So that uh, you know, up until that point, it was steel brakes. They were big. You know, I think they were. 320 mil rotors, real big steel rotors. And, and, uh, at, at, uh, Donington park, it's like the second or third turn. I think they call it Craner curves and it's this downhill flat. And it's so it's when it goes downhill and the, and the surface is flat, as you go down the track, it almost feels off camber. So, uh, and as you're going, you go right and you go left and then you got, and you get down to, I think, I don't know if it's, I mean, I could be screwing all the names up. It might be the old hairpin, maybe. I don't. They're all all those tracks have names for the corners. But uh, when we bolted on carbon brakes in practice, I went down through that area, and on steel brakes, it was just all my strength to get it from uh, side to side on the racetrack, left to right to left. So we put on the carbon brakes, so and it was like I was running off the inside of the track. It was really easy to pick the bike up, real easy to change direction. The bike. The only thing that it did, we had a little lag on the brakes because they had to build heat. So that took a little 
um, getting used to. But once the brakes got hot uh, after a lap or two, then then they were really good. So I told the uh, AP, which is uh, who uh, we were with it that year, that I'd like to race with it. And so, boy, everybody was really nervous about it because it just we didn't have that many laps on it. But I knew that it was so easy to do that. Uh, I knew the 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 advantages to do that was was so much better than anybody else had out there. And and I had yet to win a race that year. And I think this was like the round number eight, I believe it was. And so we got the whole shot. And I just, you know, I think I led the first lap. And I come around to like lap two. And I had like 0.4 of a second. And next lap's like 0.6. And then it was one second. And then it was, you know, it was a 30 lap race, I believe. And I, I think we got it out to like seven seconds. And then it, it came down with it like five laps left. And I've got a seven second lead, but it felt like I was just cruising around. And then I started thinking about, man, I got five laps to go. And that last five laps took 30 laps. I just didn't, didn't ever think I was going to get to the, to the checkered flag, but wow. I st- right now I still, I still have a, a very special uh, excitement about that first race. You know, that's something I, that, um, I'm very proud of. Well, we know how aligned you are with Laguna Seca, but man, you won a lot of British Grand Prix. Was there something about that, that track? I mean, or the fans over there? I mean, what was it about being in England and winning that race? Well, that was, I, I think I only won, I think I only won the British Grand Prix once and that was that year, but the British fans, they're much like Italian fans. They're just hardcore motorsports fans. You know, you got to think Britain's the size of California. They've got, you know, Silverstone and Donington Park and uh, Brands Hatch. They have some really, really cool racetracks. So the it's not hard for the fans to get to all these different circuits. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of motorcycle racing over there. So uh, the fans get behind you and, and they really get behind, you know, the American riders. And, and I remember when Kevin and I went over there and raced, uh, I think it was 87 in the match races. And, you know, we pulled up, was going to race against the, you know, the British team and we ended up racing each other. So it was kind of, that one was kind of a odd thing, but the British fans loved us. They loved us after that race. Let, let's, let's talk about those match races for oh, a minute no. now, Paul. I'm going to, yeah, I want to hand it over to you, Paul. So let's, let's talk about the fact that you talk about what, uh, what Wayne can do with the videos, what he can do on social media. <laughs> he got it going on like Donkey Kong this week. <laughs> Talk about that, Paul, and, and ask, ask Wayne about that for us. Well, well, yeah, we, I, one of the journalists over there brought up the whole, uh, the whole match race thing. It started out where he was talking about how great British Superbike was and the greatest domestic Superbike championship in the world. And, you know, of course I don't agree with that. And I knew Wayne wouldn't agree with it. And, <laughs> Some other people didn't agree with it. And next thing you know, there was kind of a little back and forth, like, you know, U.S. versus England and, and you know, how we should get the match races um, started again. And then the topic started to die a little bit. So I gave Wayne a little poke. Didn't take much. Just a little, you know, couple of shots to the ribs. And he just, <laughs> you know, puts out some little thing of, you know, well, let's, you know, I think we should, you know, the only way to to decide this is on the racetrack. And then, of course, the thing just took off again because, <clears throat> Wayne's following is big and and anyway so it's kind of gone from there so I mean I, I've talked to Wayne a lot about it and 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 you know I, and I know you're of the same opinion I, I think we take our top seven or eight guys and put them against their top seven or eight guys and and you know I, I'm selling my house now so I can't say I'd bet my house on it but um I don't know Wayne you'd put some money on it wouldn't you 
You bet I would. I mean, I, I have no doubt that, uh, you know, if we, if we took a team over there uh, and, and we, we raced against those guys, I have no doubt that we'd be competitive. Uh, I think we'd score more points. Uh, I think our, you know, they have a, they have a deeper field. They have more riders with, you know, they have uh, more teams than we have. Uh, but as far as depth of talent and um, I think uh, the, it would be, a, it would be a fun event to watch for sure. And actually, uh, you know, Stuart Higgs, which is the race director for uh, BSB Superbike over there. He's also does a few races for us here in Moto America as a race director. And every time he comes here, we're always kind of ribbing each other, you know, where, where are we going to make this happen? And one of, you know, one of the places we were thinking about, and we, and we, we got kind of down the road with it was uh, Daytona beach and doing uh, like three, I think it was three 50 mile races there. And it would be a match race against the Brits. And uh, uh, we would have a big prize if, if one rider won uh, all, you know, all three races. And that would be easy for them to get over because of the location. But, you know, now we're, we don't don't think it's going to happen there. We we actually tried to make it happen there and it didn't work. So uh, it would maybe be somewhere like a track like Barber or or somewhere on the West Coast. It could even be I'm sorry, somewhere on the East Coast. But there's been talk about Laguna Seca as well. And and uh, we just you know after those uh, after that little poking and prod you had me do there, um, Paul Stewart, Stewart and I again. Uh, we want to try to make this happen. So, and Richard Varner wants to try to make it happen. So, so uh, don't be surprised if you see something uh, soon. Would I mean, it be I'll be over here. Things, the things, there's some things that the fans don't fully grasp. And I mean, there are some difficulties when you put something together like this, because, you know, their spec tire company is different than our spec tire company, et cetera. But I guess everybody could just show up with what they normally race with and, and go at it that way. Right. That'd be the, you know, we'd sort that out. That, that, that would be the least of our uh, problems for that. I think just, you know, there's a, there's just the, the, the expense of making it happen and, and where is it, you know, where is it going to work? And, and uh, you know, um, so I, I think we can make the rules work and I think we would try to make it as fair for, for uh, them coming over here as it would be for us going over there because, you know, we want to have a match race. And so you, you know, you want it to really come down to, you know, between the riders and we know the, you know, the equipment's all pretty close. So, um, yeah, you know, I think it's be a good way for the, you know, the Americans to, to try to build our name back up. Wayne, you mentioned Daytona and, you know, I, most people know or should know that you, you got started in racing as a flat tracker and then and, and made the move over to road racing. Um, like certainly some of our riders have done J.D. Beach as an example. P.J. Jacobson has done that. Um, I want to ask you about Daytona this year. Uh, so the, the TT at Daytona is, is an interesting layout. Uh, normally they've had that TT track in the infield at Daytona. And this year they're actually incorporating part of the oval. And initially I thought, oh, they're going to put dirt down. Well, no, they're not even doing that. So... I'm thinking, man, it's almost like when you raced in that world, wide world of sports superbikers back in the day, and it was the, the early days of what became supermoto. Jake Lewis claims it's not like a supermoto race because he thinks a lot of the tracks get enough of a blue groove where it's almost like it's paved in parts of it anyway. But have, have you seen that layout? And what do you think of the fact that it's essentially part dirt and part right on the pavement on uh, flat track bikes? Well, you know, uh, Sean, I, I haven't seen it seen the track and i'm just hearing about it for the first time with you but uh, okay. really i think it's a cool idea i really do 
uh, because uh, yeah, the super bikers track, like you mentioned, but I raced in a in a at a track in Paris. Uh, it was a super bikers event, and it was called the Guidon d'Or, and I guess that's French for golden handlebar. But they they had a uh, uh, track where you'd race down this straightaway that was on asphalt, and then you'd you'd rush it off into a fairly fast left hand turn, and uh, that that transition going from asphalt to dirt was very, very difficult, especially as uh, the laps went by because uh, you'd get more and more dirt that would be picked up on that uh, on the asphalt. So uh, these guys ride big twins now. So when they pitch it off in there, it's it's not going to be so easy to get woed. So uh, that ought to be uh, pretty exciting to watch. Hey, did, I did that ask race you something. Did... That, French, that French super motard you were just talking about, you still have the photo of you with Millie Vanilli? well it's true right you did Uh, have that photo i remember going to your house and i saw you in that photo and then you know of course it it didn't come out then yet that they were just fake and they were lip sync and everything i I took it down as soon as i found out he wasn't millie i was good no i I was going to respond with (laughs) i was going to respond with girl you know it's true but uh go ahead No, that was that was those guys know how to put on an event over there. We we went over there. Eddie Eddie Lawson and I were we were teammates and we were riding the French uh um the French Guas um or what was it, the French uh importer bikes over there and, and Randy Momola was riding a, a two wheel drive bike. Gardner was there, Eric Gabors, Stefan Peter Hansel. He's uh he goes good in um in that Dakar event uh, yep. rally now. Yep. But uh, we had a wonderful time, and Stephen Peter uh, Hansel, he was the guy to beat, and him and I, man, I don't think I raced anybody, uh, maybe one or two guys, but that guy was tough. He was tough, and, and I had to chase him down, and, and, uh, and he, he, he fought me like, uh, like, uh, like I'd never been fought before on that kind of a track, but it was, it was a great time. And then, but they, they put us up in limousines. They took us down the Sean's Elise and we had uh, we had uh, security on motorcycles and and they were doing wheelies and banging on cars, getting people out of our way like we were, you know, big celebrities there. So uh, those guys really uh, they really know how to put on an event over there. It was a lot of fun that event, and that's where we met Millie Vanilli that night. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> was, did that event have a jump in it too? A t- was it a TT with with a jump, Wayne? That that event. Yeah, it was uh it was like on a go-kart track with uh it had like limestone uh 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 it had a couple kickers and had a, a small jump. But the thing about that event was right before the main event, the main race, it started to rain. So we raced in the rain. And uh so I think I had to race a couple heats and I think I fell down in one and I got I think Eddie beat me in one. So the the only race I actually did where the crap in was the was the one I needed to. So I got the golden handlebar right there where that picture used to be, Paul. All right. That's great. That's fantastic. Yeah, so that that uh, course at Daytona is going to have a jump in it too. So that's why I was wondering comparing it. So wow, that's amazing that you did that way back then with with pavement and and crazy course even more intense. You guys were on two strokes back back then, I'm sure, weren't you? Yeah, we rode uh, the the big uh, 500 single two strokes. Yep. That's right. 
Yeah. Um, so I got to I gotta talk about one of the funniest things you ever said to me. And you mentioned about Eddie Lawson and and most people that, that know about you and your career know that you and Eddie have, have raced against each other and, uh, you know, with each other and been involved in, in card, super carts and all kinds of things throughout your career. And your dad, Sandy, worked with with Eddie in the carts and um, there's a and and uh, last year or maybe the year before we got brought up the subject of Eddie Lawson and I go I said to you I said yeah he's like your brother and Wayne Wayne said well I wouldn't go that far and I, I never forgot about it, the fact that a guy that you've known this long and it's like well he's still a you know I think that means that he still was a competitor of yours but it's an interesting relationship how you have you know you almost you almost hate these guys on the track but you get off the track and. And you're cool with all of them, it seems like. And how does that work? You turn that on and off, it seems like. Oh, well, you know. I don't think uh, he turned Sean. it off. <laughs> 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 well, you know, that's, that's, uh, well, I have to think about that because, you know, when you're, Ed, now Eddie and I, yeah, we, we race mini bikes together. We, I remember at the old Ontario Speedway, um, it was out there, it was in Ontario, and I would, I would bring my, I had a 250 short tracker and Eddie had a 250 short tracker and we would show up in the parking lot out there and nobody's there. Nobody's at this big super speedway out there, the old Ontario motor speedway. And, uh, we found these two bushes and we would, we, uh, had 10 gallons of fuel and it was just Eddie and I, and we rode into the nighttime there racing each other around these two bushes all day long, just me and him. And then, of course, that's when we were having fun. We're just young kids. You know, we're not getting paid to do this. But then when it started getting more serious, you know, Eddie Eddie was the first to get the factory ride. And then I got, and then I was, uh, got the ride. And then it started getting a lot more serious. More, It was more professional. There was a lot more money involved. You know, there was a lot of bigger teams. And it started getting, you know, serious. And then we went on to the world stage. There was only first place. There was only world champion. Nothing else mattered. And so him and I raced against each other for that for a couple of years. And so the relationship that we had racing around them bushes did not, uh, was not the same as it was when we were racing each other for the world championship. It, um, we, we, uh, you know, we, we were tough on each other, both on and off the track. And, and there was some hard times between us and, uh, but uh, that's, you know, two competitive guys racing for the world championship. If you don't have that, you won't be, uh, you know, victorious. And so after my racing accident, though, and Eddie had already had gone off to race, like I think it was Indy cars. And, right. then, uh, and then I was done racing and, and then he'd, you know, got uh, hooked up with my dad and they'd built me this cart and said, hey, I, uh, and I hadn't talked to Eddie since, you know, since you know, since he had left the paddock when he had stopped racing. So it'd been a few years. And then, uh, but then he showed up and had this go-kart made for me and says, Hey, got your helmet here. Let's put it back on. And, and then ever since then, it's been like, you know, like it was back out there. We were racing against or riding against or riding with each other, uh, around those bushes. So it's, we've got a great relationship now. We get on well, Kenny Roberts is a neighbor of his down there. So I kind of feel sorry for him sometimes, but not too often. <laughs> <laughs> so, awesome. no it's all good good okay let's go back to uh let's go back to moto america here for a minute no you know what let's not go back to moto america let's 
first of all, I've heard all of your stories, you know, and we're both kind of old. So we've, I've probably heard them three or four times. And Sean's, Sean's probably heard a lot of them as well. But I love the story about the little <laughs> mini mini bike that Sandy built for you that was actually not totally legal. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that story? Because that's it's one of my favorites. And I think the people would enjoy hearing that. <laughs> well, you know, my my dad was uh he built all my all my racing bikes as i was a kid growing up and i always had to ride something that nobody else was riding so um there was when i was uh they had a class it was for nine to eleven year olds and it was it was considered one to three horsepower and so i was riding a z50 honda and we were racing against uh, 120 cc Tecumseys, I think is what they were called. It's like a big lawnmower motor, a big PAL mini bike. You remember what those bikes look like? But anyhow, uh, they had a centrifugal clutch on it. But, you know, they had 120 cc's in the torque that they had. It was just like they were, they were, they were killing us, smoking us. And so, and actually, uh, the, the kids that I was, that was beating me at the time was Kelly and Sean Moran, the ones that went on to, uh, to race Speedway in the world championship. But anyway, we were really young then. Well, one day I was walking to school, I think I was nine, and uh, my dad pulled up alongside me, and I looked at him as I was walking. I thought I was in trouble for something, and he made <laughs> me get in the car, and he said, don't tell your mom, but we're going testing. So he took, he took, me, out to, took me out of school. I, mean, I was nine years old, took me out of school. He had all my gear. We went to Saddleback Park, and he unloaded my little Z50 Honda, and I had no idea what he had done to it, and I went out, and I started making some laps on it, but the power that I had was was incredible because I was able to to do these big power slides, you know, just like my heroes in flat track racing. I was just, and when I came in, I said, "He goes, how's it feel?" I go, "I go, I, I, I've never ridden anything this, you know, this fast." I said, "What did you do, Dad?" And he goes, "Nitromethane." <laughs> <laughs> he had put nitromethane in the fuel and. Uh, so uh, we we had that for about six months, and then uh, they finally banned it. But uh, there was, uh, you know, in the practice lines, there was a lot of watering eyes. Uh, nobody nobody <laughs> at that time knew anything about the fuel. But uh, when I would start that up, uh, people, uh, you know, their eyes would water. They would be, you know, the dads were pulling their kids off their bikes. They didn't know what that strange odor was, so. Yeah, it was fun though. It was great. We uh, we we put it on the Moran brothers there for a little while. Yeah, and Wayne, the p- other part of that story is the fact that you you were within the rules, right? Your dad actually looked at the rules, and it said, "What, what did it say?" And what, what was his response to that? Well, of course, my you know my dad was always accused of cheating because he was always very innovative, and he really hated it when he would get you know he would be called a cheater and and uh, so one time uh, he even he got called a cheater. He even put up his own money and tore down his own bike just to show everybody we weren't cheating. But that particular day, that particular time, uh, he looked under the, in the rule book and looked under fuel just to see what it said. And it said, yes, you must run fuel. It just didn't say which time. <laughs> that's the greatest. I love it. Yeah. Oh, man. Hey, that's the rule book um, we need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Don't hey, talk so, to James uh, about that. <laughs> no, I won't. 
Hey, so I have a question for both you guys. It's something that I don't know the answer to, and, and either of you can answer this, but um, it's actually twofold. And I think this year, you know, one of the things that was pretty popular for us, Paul, is we would run Facebook Live during our press conferences. And I think we're going to do that again this year. So for the fans out there that enjoyed watching that, I think we're going to continue that. But you can you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Talk a little bit about either of you about is YouTube going to be in the mix? Because a lot of fans have asked, you know, are they, are, am I going to be able to watch it on YouTube? And I mean, it's kind of like, man, they've got every possible option here, but they still ask about YouTube, I guess. So can, can you address that, you know, Paul or Wayne? Yeah, I think uh, we, uh, we, we have not made a, a decision on when that will happen, but we're pretty sure that it's going to land there for sure. Okay, good. And, Just, and Paul, we're it, still doing fa- be a, the, like I think like right now it was I think with our current uh, with the deal that we had with being at uh, our first year it was like I think it was forty days, and then we got it down to like twenty. And I think you know I think this last year it was what seven or something. Yeah, so I'm not sure what, what we'll do. Yeah. And Paul, we're still going to do Facebook Live during the press conferences, right? So we'll be bringing the press conferences to people. Yeah. Um, We'll we'll still be doing that, and and hopefully we can you know cause a few fights or something and get. I, I my goal in that thing is if I could get like like a Jerry Springer type deal where they're throwing chairs at each other. I think that's you know that's when our Facebook might actually surpass the videos that Wayne does as far as popularity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, hey, we just we just want our guys. We want them racing hard. We want them, you know, we want them, you know, battling each other. And uh, we want them going for it, you know, and I think the way that we have, you know, the class structure that we have uh, for super bikes, uh, the way that the rules are finally now, I think, uh, you know, we have a very deep um, field. So, uh, you know, that's going to be that's going to be pretty, a pretty fun uh, uh, class to watch. I think the 600 class with, uh, you know, PJ coming over here and Hayden Gillum, you know, the uh the level that he was at last year to be interesting to see what he does to even be even better this year you got uh you know uh Sean Kelly coming back or coming for the first time uh for John Ulrich's team and Bobby Fong you got Braden Norton Corey Ventura Nick McFadden Richie Escalante so you know there's there's a ton of talent in that 600 class and that's going to be that's going to be fun to watch let's talk a little bit about Corey Ventura because I know, I know you had, you had some discussion with him and I, and, and his parents and stuff last year. And I think he's one kid that you look to as like, he, he's, he's following the path, the way that you kind of projected these kids to do by actually making that move from junior cup to super sport. And you thought he was ready for it. And you think, I mean, that, that that's the way for these kids to go. Don't you think, I mean, there's only one way you can get to be to the top and that's to, to go through these steps and actually push yourself to, 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 you know, maybe out of your comfort zone a little bit as far as moving up in class? Well, uh, yes and no. You know, we, uh, our junior cup champion, uh, Alex Dumas, he's chosen to go ride in the twins class. I totally support that. I think that's, uh, you know, where he feels he is as far as where he is competitively and where he thinks he, he needs to be with him and his, uh, his program. I think that's the logical choice is go to the twins. Now, uh, Corey Ventura finished behind uh, Dumas last year in the Junior Cup, but but Ventura has decided to go up into the 600 class. So that's a much bigger step. You know, the level of competition is way up there. But 
it, you can certainly uh, get some advantages of that because you can kind of see where you are, you know, at the end of each uh, qualifying session. So, you know, what you have to work on. Um, so he's, uh, he's stepped, he's a bit off a lot there, Ventura has, but, but I like that, uh, that way of challenging himself to, because there's been a couple guys before him that has done that, you know, Braden Ort did that. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be fine. I think both ways work. I want to talk about Lick O'Malley Jr. Cup a little bit, Wayne, because, you know, one of one of the constant sources of delight for me in the media center is when you're in there and when when Shay, your wife, is in there and, and Richard will sometimes come in and Chuck and we'll we'll watch the Junior Cup, Lick O'Malley Junior Cup races. And the twinkle in your eye from watching that class of racing is amazing. And, and I, I see Shay's the same way. She follows every one of those riders, knows him so well. And and. I can just see that you you have a huge sense of pride about these young riders, and I'm wondering if it does it harken back to when you started, and you're, and do you want them to? Is it kind of following in your footsteps a little bit? Where do you? What is it about Junior Cup with you? Well, you know, um, I guess in some way, Sean, it's uh, this did not exist. Exist this type of class didn't exist when uh, when I was their age. So to have this there the way that it is this class and that these racers uh that i'm sure they have big dreams you know that what they would like to go on to be moto america champion and 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 on if they want but um you know it's it's cool though that they're able to they're able to go out there and compete uh they're with uh you know the they're on the big stage and uh you know you just you just you you look at all them kids and you wonder who's going to be the next one coming out of there so um I, that's what I watch for. I, you know, I like to watch the kids. I remember the first time we, we, uh, we ran that, that race, uh, the, the liquid Molly junior cup was, uh, a few years ago. And I remember one of the riders, he was racing for the lead and he fell down and, and he went over to the side of the track and he started crying. And I just thought, wow, that is just so raw. I mean, I just, I really love that passion that, that, that kid had. I mean, he wanted it so bad that, uh, when he didn't get it, it just upset him. So I, I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. It's, it's, Wayne's been there, except he just made every other kid cry because of his illegal fuel. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't, that, they weren't crying. Their eyes were burning from the nitromethane. That's what it was. <laughs> That's what I meant, Sean. Jeez. <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I, you know, I'm famous for, oh, I get the joke. Let me explain it to people that don't because I just figured it out. <laughs> sorry, exactly. sorry, Paul. Sorry, You're Paul. a good straight man. <laughs> yeah, that's all I am. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's, uh, let's wrap this thing up. I know Wayne's got things to work on and, uh, you know, presidents never stop sleeping, never stop to sleep, never stop working. And uh, and Wayne's Wayne's at a busy time in in his uh, in his off season right now. So we'll let him uh, we'll let him get back to it. And uh, Sean, thanks for for joining. And and I bet there are you going to be okay the rest of the day. I mean, are you just going to be giddy because you talked to Wayne Rainier? What's the deal? Yeah, I mean, I, I got tears in my eyes right now, and there's no nitromethane around at all. I'm just so excited. I can't. I'm going to count down the episodes till episode 32 because that's when we're going to have Wayne back on again. Well, we might <laughs> so, be able to get him before then because we we have a bit of let, a hold let, of him. But 
Let's let's hope it does happen because I was dying. It was like Christmas every day. I'm like, when's he going to come on? When's he going to come on? So, so it was great. Thank you, Wayne, for joining us. We had a great time, and I hope the fans enjoyed it as well. I'm sure they did. Yeah, hey guys, see, you guys do a good excited. job. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't I know. get as excited because he yells at me and stuff, you know, like I'm with him, you know, oh, I work geez, for him I and he's not. like yelling at me and saying, God damn you. Blah, blah, blah. No, actually he doesn't do that. But... <laughs> no, that's Chuck okay. that yells at you. It's not me. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> or Chuck right. tells Wayne to yell at me, but somehow I get yelled at, but it's okay. Anyway, guys, thanks a lot. And, uh, and thanks for the listeners uh, for tuning in. And, and however you get uh, you these podcasts, however you choose to do it, just continue to do so. And they will continue to be available for you on Saturday mornings. And uh, you guys take care and have a, uh, have a good day. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Wayne. Good thanks, job. Paul. See you.